intimacy with your with your heavenly Father. I, um, how many of you had or have a, a father that is um, is still alive today, a, a biological father? Just put your hands up. I just want to do a little survey. Okay, that if you've had, you have your father still alive today, your biological father. Okay, that's good. Thank you. You can put your hands down. How many of you have a, like me, that your father may have, you know, he's passed on? Any, anybody else? Okay. Um, okay, just leave your hand. Okay, that's good. All right, so we're, a little bit more of you still have. How many of you, just for survey reasons, how many of you had your father involved in your life? You either had or have, okay, by a lot, he was involved in your life, okay. There's still a lot of people that their father wasn't involved in their life. I was, I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, my father was involved in my life. Um, he wanted to be more involved in my life, and I didn't want him to be involved in my life. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever done that? It's like, no, I, I'm not kind of living the way I should be living, so I stiff arm my mom and dad and say stay stay back and then some you may may not even have a father involved in your life some of you may have come to a place where you didn't have a dad at all in your life maybe he just wasn't there he was an absentee father maybe he was you know had, had died and 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 wasn't involved in your life maybe for whatever reason it was there might have been a divorce or something and you never had that father figure in your life. If that's you today, I believe the Spirit of God is really speaking to you because I know there's intimacy with my dad, my, my biological dad. I, I had a biological dad that, that he, um, I mean, he loved me. No matter what I did, he still loved me. And I could mess up today and he'd put his arm around me this tonight, you know what I mean, and still love me. And we have a heavenly father that's that way. We have a heavenly father, and if you haven't experienced that, you may not know how to get intimate with God. Do you, do you know what I mean? And intimacy with God is not a bad thing, all right? Um, intimacy with my wife is a good thing. Are you with me? Intimacy with, with my heavenly father is a very good thing, very good thing. It's, I love being intimate with my wife. Woohoo! I love that. Um, I, I love having a relationship with my wife. That's, that's, it's a good thing, and I want to work on my relationship. I want to keep it good. I want to, I want to, I want to continue to bless her. But I, I want to be able to have that relationship with my Heavenly Father. See, my biological father's not here for me to crawl up in his lap and say, Dad, hold me. My dad, Bryce, was a, um, he was a bricklayer for 16 years, so he, was, he had some guns. I remember one time, never mind. I mean, he just, he was a, a very strong man. And even when he fought through cancer, he was very strong. I never heard him complain. I never, listen to me, I never heard my father complain. And as I get more intimacy with my heavenly father, my heavenly father's not complaining. Hello? He's not complaining that I'm not good enough. He's not complaining that I don't measure up. Are you with me? And, and, and those of you that didn't have the opportunity like I've had to be able to have a biological father that way, it may be hard for you to really come into an intimate relationship with our father or, or dad. Now, some of our kids call me dad. Some of them... <laughs> Joe calls me Pops. I don't, you know, I don't know where that came from. Or, you know, there's nobody in my family that calls me Pops. Or we don't call our dad Pops, but he calls me Pops. So that's an endearment term that when I hear Pops, I know it's, it's Joel. So you might have an endearment term for our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's, he's, he's, he's not just my dad. He's our dad. I don't have an exclusive right, but I have an exclusive right with God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can be intimate with God and He loves me, and He loves me more than He loves Virginia. 
I want to think that, right? I mean, we all want to think that. And, and in a way, God loves us. I'm, I'm his favorite. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm his favorite. Because you're his favorite too. Turn to your neighbor, you're his favorite too. You're, you're, you're favored by God. And that's that intimacy. So I, I began to meditate on this the other day. And, and I began to start thinking about how we can become more intimate with God. Men have problems with intimacy. Can I tell you that? Guys, we just don't want to get close. You know, sometimes we just don't want to get close. So we can have a surface relationship. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Don't ask me any questions about my life. I don't want to get, you know, uh, dependent. We should have a interdependency on God. Independence is not good when it comes to the things of God. Hello? You can be dependent. I'm a self-made guy. I can do it myself. I can figure it out myself. Josiah has a very independent mind. He wants to, he'll do it. He'll do it himself. It, and it doesn't matter what it is. He'll get something out of the microwave, climb up on a chair, climb up onto the stove and open the microwave. He's a very independent little fella. But we need to be interdependent on God. When I am intimacy, have intimacy with my wife, it's not just all about me. Are you with me? When we have intimacy together, and I'm not just talking about sex, y'all. But when we're intimate, we're having conversations, and where we are intimate, it, it's not just a monologue. It's not just me going, you know, you should meet my needs, you should take care of me, what about me, 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 you know, it should be me, what about me, it should be me, and, and if you would do this, and if you did that, it's not about that. It's about what can I do for you, she said, what can I do for you. It is a dialogue. It's a dialogue. So I began to meditate on this, and I began to think, what about if we looked at the life of David? So I want to look at the life of David this morning. Is that all right? We just get into this. When we look at the life of David, we know that David is the son of Jesse. We know that actually David is the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Did you guys know that? Ruth and Boaz, you know, Boaz, the kingsman redeemer. David was actually the great-great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. So there's a godly lineage in his line. We know, everybody knows that David killed who? Goliath. Goliath. We, we all know about that. We all know about David killing. Even people that don't know the things of God and don't read, you know, the Bible or, or don't even go to church or even have a relationship, they'll know that King David killed Goliath. David was the king of Judah at 30 years old. Listen to me now, 30 30 years old, he was the king of Judah. And seven and a half years later, Judah and Israel came together, and David was the king over Judah and Israel. Do you think David had any pressure? <laughs> do, you think, <laughs> do you think he had tough decisions to make? Now, here is a, a king, and I want to paint him as a king because that's, that's what he was. And you know, whether you receive it or not, that's what you are. He was not only a king, but he was a priest. And whether you believe it or not, but the Bible says that we are kings and priests, that you're also priests. Oh, come on, somebody. So I began to look and think about, did David love God? Did he love God? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he loved God, and he made some mistakes and, you know, had a relationship with Bathsheba that was wrong and ended up killing her husband, put him on the front line. All that took place. Do you think David's will was for, for what David's desire was for the Lord's will to be accomplished? He wanted Israel to experience a time of peace. He wanted Israel to come to the place where he did exactly what God wanted him to do because David was a warrior. David was not a wimp. He was a warrior. Say warrior. warrior. I mean, he was a warrior. I mean, David was, he was one tough dude. He was, I mean, if, if it was UFC fighting, David would be number one. Hello? If it was boxing, David would be number one. If it was football, David would be the star. If it was basketball, he'd be the leading scorer. Are you with me? I mean, David was, David was the man. So here he is. Here he is as a king. People coming to him, ruling and reigning over the nation of Israel. You know what the Bible calls David? A man after God's own heart. 
Wouldn't that be nice to be said about you? Oh, she was a woman after my own heart. He is a man after my own heart. So I began to, to meditate or think about this thing, and I thought, how did David get a reputation of being a man after God's own heart? Wouldn't that be kind of nice? You know, even you go home to be with the Lord, you put it on the gravestone, the headstone, and it says, he was a man after God's own heart. I mean, how many people would that impact? You want by that? Must be David. Must be David. Those of us that know what the Bible says about David in 1 Samuel 13, 14, that he was a man after God's own heart. Well, I wanted to look at this psalm. And did I tell you Psalm chapter 5? This psalm grew out of a wilderness time. And we've all experienced wilderness times. You're either coming out, going in, or maybe ready to go in, or maybe you're at a time of peace, but there will be a... There will be a wilderness time, and all of, us have, all of us have wilderness times in our life. Now, I know you, you, you probably, it's hard to understand that somebody would tell you you're going to have a wilderness time, but there are wilderness times in our life. There are seasons in our life. When you come out of fall into winter, there can be a wilderness time for the leaves, the trees, the plants. It is a wilderness time. And David was in a wilderness time. Some believe that when, when he wrote this psalm in chapter 5, that he was, uh, he was being pursued by Absalom. So he was in a very difficult place. He had come to a place where he was brokenhearted. David had come to a place where he said, I, I need to come to God and I need to come to Him boldly. So let's just, let's just read along. Angela, if you will, just read chapter 5. We'll just read verses verses 1 through 12, and that's the entire chapter. And then I want to focus on some some verses. Just follow along in your Bibles as she reads. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out, for they are rebellious against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. Whew, I like that. You like verse 12? I like that. You know, that righteous man, that's you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you are the righteous man that he's talking about. And it's for you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as a shield. Now, you could think about it that day in time when David said that, what they thought about as a shield. But with our technology today, you ever seen those force shields that go around you? It goes all the way around you. You know, and there's that force shield. Are you with me? So sometimes we look at it, and, and we look at it through our modern, modern eyes. Are you with me? And we look at that force shield. Now, isn't that cool? I think I would rather have the view of a force shield around me like we have nowadays versus a, a shield that they had. Are you with me? So David, again, he was brokenhearted. He had had some difficulty. Let's look at verse 1. He says this, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groanings. Consider my groanings. That word groanings literally means like to murmur it doesn't necessarily mean complaining as much but that's the hebrew word taga and it means this it means to murmur in pleasure or in anger it also means to ponder or to meditate on 
to ponder or meditate on. To ponder or meditate on. Oh, God, you're so good. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good to me. It also can mean to, to muse, not the Greek god, but it, the muse literally means to like, like a, a cow would chew its cud, Bill, right? And it would extract all the flavor out of that grass, muse that thing. You know, he, and he says, here's what I do. He says, give ear to my words. God, Dad, Dad, li- listen to me a moment. Dad. Oh, Lord, consider my groanings and the times where it's been tough, the times where it's been difficult, the times where I don't even know if I can make it till the morning, and I don't even know if I want to make it to the morning. I don't even know if I want to live for another day. God, there's times where things are difficult, and we've all experienced that, haven't we? We've all come to that place where we've had, I want to say, moanings or groanings or times where we're just, we just, we just, need, you just need to cry out to God. There's times where... Whatever Shelly and how good she can be to me, that it just doesn't do what I have to do when I cry out to God. Don't get the relief that, that I get when I begin to cry out to God. So David, he was very open with the Lord. He was very transparent. And he, had, he, he admitted there was an inward pain. A lot of times we come into church and it's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. No, really the truth is I got an inward pain. And I'm struggling. And it's difficult. And we need to be able to come like during worship time and just say, God, God, I'm just, I just get that. And I, and I need help. And, and I got to cry out because it's you connecting to God. Is this making sense? So we can see, you can see David's agony. You can see his, his prayer. You can see when it was written that, 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 that he was just saying, Oh, God, you know, why don't you just consider my groanings. Now let's look at verse 2. And he says, in verse 2, he says, to heed the sound of my cry for help. I know a child, when they cry for help, the mother knows that's mine. (laughs) Fathers are kind of like, oh, he'll be all right. (laughs) Suck it up, boy, take it. But the mother, am I, am I right, moms? When you have a child and it cries out, I mean, we could have the nursery and the nursery could have ten babies in it and one baby cry out and the ten mothers, nine mothers are like this. Not mine. And that one mother, it's mine. David was so intimate with God that he said, I know you're going to hear my cry. I know when I cry out for help, Lord, that, that you're going to be there. He said, heed the sound of my cry for help. And look at the last part of that verse. He says, my king, my God. David was a king, but he acknowledged God as king. You're my king. You're my God. Others may have other kings, but you're my king. Others may have other God, but you're my God. You're my king. You're my God. And when I can come to a place of intimacy with that, I can say, you're my dad. You may have a biological father, but your heavenly father is still your dad. You're my dad. You're my dad. And he's like, you're my king. You're my God. I don't have any others. You are it, God. You are it. And I can almost feel David's pain. And I almost feel when he's saying, you're my God. You're my God. I don't have any other gods. You're my God. All the other nations in the world they might be going after other gods. They might be ruling and reigning, trying to, to, to be involved with other kings. But David was like, no, no, you're my king. And this was the king of Israel. And he was saying, you're my king. Exodus fifteen eighteen says, the Lord shall reign forever. David was a man with a broken heart. But he knew and he understood that the Lord was there in the midst of his crying, in the midst of his groaning, in his midst of his pain that the Lord was there. Let me give you a couple other scriptures. Just write them down. Hebrews 4.16. It says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Hebrews 
Look at Hebrews 10, 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, do you know that you can come confidently into the throne room of God? Hello? Some of you may have had a dad that, that had a study, and when he was in his study, you weren't allowed to bother him. When dad's in there, just leave him alone. He's taking care of family business. He's doing whatever he does. But don't you know that you've got a heavenly father that says, look, I might be in my study, but you can come on in, son. I might be in my study, but you can come on in, daughter. I'll put everything else on hold. I'll silence the cell phone or take the phone off the hook or whatever it might be and say, yes, you're my boy. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm listening to you. What is it, son? What is it, daughter? He's not a far away God. And David experienced that because he had intimacy with him. Do you know that we can come boldly to the throne of God? You can come with freedom of speech. I've heard people say, well, I'm mad at God. I'll tell him. That's all right. Tell him. I don't know as if God's going to get upset just because you're mad. Are you with me? Maybe it's a time to, to come in and say, God, I'm, I'm upset. Why? Because of this and because of that. But then you, 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 you have to have a dialogue. You can't just unload and there it is and then not listen to dad say, my daughter, I love you in the midst of what you're going through. I'm sorry you're mad at me. Hello? We got to see this intimacy with God. Don't you know that God has a heart and he knows your needs and he welcomes you to come on in. Come on in. Come on in, come on in, come on in. That's why when Jesus died and the, and the veil was ripped, it was like you don't have to go through a priest to go to the Holy of Holies any longer. You can now have access to the throne room of God. I can go to the throne room of God? Yes. Do I have to have an appointment? No. It might be good sometimes to make an appointment. <laughs> to say, wait a minute, let's meet together. Let's meet together. We set up appointments for dentists. We set up appointments for attorneys. We set up an appointments to meet with other people for other reasons. What about if we, and I'm not talking about a religious thing, but we set up an appointment and say, I want to meet with you, Dad. I've been busy today, and things have been going on. I've been kind of doing my thing, but can we meet? And when I began to look at this, I began to see that David met with God. He met with his king. He met with his God. So when would be the best time to meet with God? I know it wouldn't be good if I was to try to meet with my biological father. He used to work from 3 to midnight. And at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I wasn't going to be able to meet with him because he, was, he wasn't even around. He wasn't even home. He was, he was working. Look at, look at verse 3. Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. In the morning, O Lord... You hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. What went, according to this, when did David meet with God? Everybody, in the morning, in the morning, in the morning, in the morning, in the morning. And I'm not trying to get you into a religious tradition, but here's what I understand. That if there's a principle in the word of God, that David met with God in the morning, in the morning, in the morning, in the morning, and God released wisdom, God released encouragement, God released strength. Don't you think he needed it for the day? In the morning. Say in the morning. He kept his appointment morning by morning. And he allowed nothing to interfere. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's times where I try to meet with God. And if I'm waiting on a phone call from somebody, I'll look at my phone. 
Come on, we're all that way. Or if I'm waiting on an answer from Shelly, and I hear my phone ding and there's a text. Is this the truth or not? I think David set everything aside and he said, I'm going to meet with you. I don't know. It, through my study of David, I didn't doesn't have a time that he met with God. It wasn't every morning at 4.37 and 30 seconds. But he met with him in the morning. Let's look at some other scriptures that talk about that. Psalms 55.17. It says, Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Morning. Say morning. It says, is, is morning the only time you can meet with God? No. Are you saying, Pastor, if I don't meet with God in the morning, then I can't meet with Him at noontime? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, let's look at the principle in which David operated by. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Psalms 88.13 says, I cry out to you for help, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Hmm. Was Cornelius praying in the morning? And the prayer came up before God as a memorial. I'll, I'll search that out. We'll look at that next week. Is that all right? He says, in the morning my prayer comes before you. Let's look at Psalms 119.47. If you're writing that down, it was Psalms 55.17 and Psalms 88.13. This is Psalms 119. We love Psalms 119, don't we? We love Psalms 119. What about 147? It says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. And then after I cry for help, I go to work. What's it say? Man, we are in a society, I'm going to use this word, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but jacked up. Is that, is that a cuss word in Oklahoma? We are in a society that everything is jacked up. I mean revved up. I mean we, just, we don't go from first gear to second gear to third gear. We go from park to drive, and we got the pedal to the metal, and we're going all day long. Everything's jacked. I mean, look at television. You look at a television screen. I remember one time where there was only one thing on the screen, and that was what you're watching. Now you can look at a television screen, and there's the date and the time, and there's information running down there below, and then there's advertisements on the corner, and you know what I mean, all these different things. And the kids are taking in all this information, and I'm kind of a one-track guy. I'm like, wait a minute, can we move all that other stuff? I'm still working on that deal. <laughs> Did you see what went across the bottom? No, because I was looking at this woman that was talking, but I didn't read that. Or it was like, did you hear what she said? No, because I was... Reading what was going across the bottom. I know some of you guys are multi-bazillion taskers, but I'm just some kind of a one-track, simple kind of guy. You know, if I'm reading something, i got to, like, concentrate on it. Shelly will tell you, she has such grace with me. Did you see that? What was that? See what? Did you hear that? Hear what? 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 Hear what? <laughs> Sometimes if I'm thinking of things, I think I've told her and I haven't told her, but I've thought so much that I've told her that she's got to know. Do you see what I'm getting at? But see, we're in such a society that it's like, it's so busy, it's so busy, it's so busy. Got a lot to do today. And I am a workless person. I mean, Sean's found that out. Jody's found that out. I am a, I got to do this, this, this. I strike it off. I go to get another one, get, get another piece of paper, and I start over again. And I, I'm a workless, I'm unaccomplished. I got to achieve. I am, I am one of those persons. And I don't know why I'm that way. Thanksgiving was tough for me. I felt like I just didn't get nothing done. But I probably rested more. And then I conquered the turkey. Got that off my list. I did accomplish one thing instead of gaining 10 pounds, I only gained three. I said, this year I'm not gaining 10 more pounds. Come on, somebody. Let's just be real. So he says, look, he said, look, I rise before dawn and I, and I cry out for help. And then he says, 
I wait for your words. I wait, 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 wait. Well, I don't have time, Pastor, to be waiting around. I mean, I, I get up at, I got to be to work at 6, and I get up at 5.45. And now you want me to spend a little bit of time with God, so I do. Two and a half minutes on my drive to work, I ask God a few questions, and if he don't answer me pretty quick, I just, I got to go. I got to go. God's trying to talk to you throughout the whole day, and you're not listening. Are you with me? But what about if we moved the time that you got up 15 minutes earlier? I don't know. Just a suggestion. Psalms 136, 130, verse 6 says, My soul waits for the Lord. More than a watchman wait for the morning. More than a watchman wait for the morning. The watchmen are on the wall. Anybody ever worked all night long? Have you ever thought, man, I get off at 7 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock you're like, where is 7 coming? Where is 7? Where is 7 at? You look at that clock and, you know, it's 6.10 and then it's 6.12 and then it's 6.13 and and you look again at 6.14 and you you look again and it's 6.30 and you're like, I'm not going to look at it. I'm just ready to go. Let me get out of it. I got to go. I got to go. I'm waiting for this to come. Watchmen on the wall would watch. They would pray. There's night watches, prayer watches. But they would watch. They would watch for the rising of the sun. The new day coming in. What about if he says, "Look, you know what? Uh, my soul waits for you, God. Uh, and this, I want to, I want to, I just want to spend a little time with you, Dad. I, I just want to hang out with you, some Dad. I mean, just can we hang out some? Because my soul just uh, more than than that guy that's ready to get off and oh, I can't wait till seven o'clock and I can't wait till it's time to go. I can't wait to get off. Is that I just, I just want more than that, more than that. I want to spend time with you." David said, "I want to." Spend time with you, Lord. I want to spend time. David met with God in the morning. And it wasn't just a shotgun prayer. What'd you hit? I don't know. But I've shot that baby up there. It'll fall and it'll hit whatever it hits. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. Do you know that he had a prayer of purpose? I'm going to show you. We began to look at this and I began to break this down biblically. David was not... He was not only a faithful in praying each morning, but he had an order or a system to it. And sometimes we think having an order or system can be bad. Sometimes it can, but most of the time it's pretty good. It'd be good to have, I mean, if our society didn't have an order or system, it would be uh, pretty wild. Let's look at verse 3. Put up verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order... My prayer. This term order, translated here in verse 3, is the Hebrew word arek. A-W-R-A-K. And it's, it means to set in a row. It means to arrange or to put in order. It means there's scripture if you took this and you looked back on the on the old testament and you said what is all the scriptures that has this same verse do you remember the scripture in genesis chapter 22 when 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 abraham got isaac and they got the wood and they built the altar and he arranged the wood on the altar that's the same word the exact same word it means to put in a row it means to arrange I looked it up in Leviticus 1.8. It's the same word where they place animals on the sacrifice. Exact same word. They just didn't have the barbecue, and let's just throw the animal on there, okay? Here we go, let's go there, baby. Whoop-bye, let's throw it on the grill. That animal was put on that sacrifice with the head to the top part and the bottom part. It was laid on there, and it was done in order. I mean, I've seen Shorty's grill when he's cooking. This is not chaos. I mean, there's stuff lined up, there's rows. Are you with me? It's in order. He has a system. It's also described in Leviticus 24.8 where they put the bread, showbread on the table in the, in the temple, in the tabernacle. Everything was, was in order. It was put together. It's the word in Psalms 23.5 that we all love Psalms 23, right? 
He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. That word, you prepare, is the same word. You prepare. You order or direct, I think some versions of the Bible says. You prepare this. It's like setting a meal before the guests. Now, I know you had Thanksgiving, a lot of you had, and anybody set the table. Did, or did you just kind of just throw it all out in the middle? <laughs> Here you go. Where's the fork? I don't know. Fell on the floor. Get that one there. What about the plates? I don't know. They're over here. Are you with me? No. You had a plate. Well, at my house, at, at where we were at, there was a plate. At, during Virginia's, there was a plate. And there was a fork, and there was a knife, and there was a cup. And there was one essential thing that I need, a napkin. It was order. You with me? It was order. If it wasn't order, what would it have been? It would have been a mess. So, so this is the principle that I'm looking at. when I See, David, he wasn't careless about his praying. He wasn't just, I'll pray when I pray, did whenever, I'll get it on the way to work, maybe way home. You can do that. That's all right. That's no problem. You can do that. I'm not saying you can't do that. Hear me real loud. I'm not saying you can't do that. I do that a lot. But he wasn't careless about it. He prepared himself to spend time with Dad. What are we going to talk about today? I don't know. What's on your mind? I don't know. It's watching television. I don't, all I know is that this man was a king. I don't know as if our president gets up and they go, what do you want to do today, president? I think he, the president gets up and the man comes in with a little folder and he says, here's the agenda. Because they've already talked about it throughout the week. This is what we're going to do on Monday. This is what we're going to do on Tuesday. This is what we're going to do on Thursday. This is Thursday, Friday. This is what we're going to do there. You know what I mean? This is my time of relaxation. This is my time of, of talking to the prime minister of, of Israel. This is, you know what I mean? There, there, there's these things that are laid out and they're arranged. This word not only means to be orderly or systematic, but it also means like a military connotation. What would the military be like if there was no order? Well, I can tell you, we wouldn't win a lot of wars. And if there were no order, we wouldn't deter a lot of aggression. Because there's order, it can deter aggression against you. But it's like a soldier presenting himself. I'm here, Captain. Here's you, I'm, I'm here. Would David come in? Don't you know David had commanders come in to him and say, I'm here. What's today? David began to give the orders throughout the day. But before he met with God. He met with God. He came up in the morning and I don't know what it would be like, but it, it, you guys have gotten up, you've done some of this and, and you've gotten up in the morning and you said, okay, God, he just spent time in his presence. And it's just so wonderful. Oh my goodness. Isn't it wonderful? If you haven't done it, try it. And look at it and go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just hang out with Dad. 10 or 15 minutes. That time will go like that. See, what happens is I've been there to where I've sat down and said, God, I'm going to just spend time with you. And then this comes on my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean, Bryce? It's like, oh, I'm thinking about that. Write it down. Get it off your mind. Or maybe bring it up to the Lord and say, what about this issue? Might say, I'm, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, Eric, but here's what I do want to talk about. He had commanders coming to him. He had the nation of Israel that he was ruling. But before any of that, he met with God in the morning, crying out to you, Oh, God, there's, there's an army assembling itself on our border. To the north, God, what are we going to do? God, what are we going to do? Do you think God was talking to him? Do you think he was listening? Do you think he was waiting to hear the voice of the Lord? Now, I don't know what that is for you because I know what it is for me, and it's usually 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. It can be 4 some mornings. 
It can be from two to three and I go, or two to five and I go back to bed for an hour, hour and a half. I don't know what it is for, for you. But I've been where I had a job, a secular job, and had to go to work at six in the morning, but I would get up beforehand. It's a sacrifice, y'all. But I'd say, God, what is going on? God, teach me. In years past, there's been so many times where we've been seeking God, but have we been seeking Him early? Wouldn't it be better to, if you're going to train for um, a triathlon, to do it now before the race starts tomorrow? Olympians train for years in advance for one moment. One shining moment. I like that song. One shining moment. David had a, had a time where he began to look at. He said, I'm going to order my day, Lord. Now let's look at, he said, order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Let's look at that word, eagerly watch. That word, eagerly watch, is like expecting something. Oh, oh, it is so cool, man, when you're able to spend time. And Dad says, you know what? Today is going to be an awesome day, and somebody's going to come across your path, and I'm going to give you the wisdom to be able to help them today, help them in a way that it may be unconventional or maybe unconventional of the way they think it ought to be, but you're going to be able to meet the need and watch things begin to happen today. And then you just eagerly await, okay, here they go. It might be somebody coming in this morning. It might be somebody calling on the phone or texting us. It might be open up Caring Bridge and reading it and watching faith begin to build up and say, oh, I eagerly await what you're going to do today. I think when David sought the Lord in the morning, it wasn't like, oh, gosh, I'm tired. I think his soul, his spirit was going, oh man, Christmas morning every day. Do you all know what it's like Christmas morning? You have kids when you were a kid? I mean, oh man. I remember when we lived in upstate New York, we, we, would, I, we had upstairs and, and, and my, the, the boys' room was on one side and the girls' was on the other, and I would crawl out. I'd crawl out and I'd look down the stairs like this. And I'd watch gifts go by. Mom and Dad still don't know it to this day. Well, they probably do now. I'd watch gifts go by. Joel or Jeff, there goes your dumbbell set that you wanted. Lori, there goes that bicycle that you just wanted. How many of you, if you're going on vacation... Man, you're going on vacation, and tomorrow's vacation. I mean, it's like 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Just get on up. Just get on up. Why do you go through all that agony? <laughs> you're excited about vacation. you got enough adrenaline, and you got enough excitement in you, and you're like, oh, Christmas morning is coming. I'm going on vacation tomorrow, baby. David was the same way. David was saying, oh, I can't wait to get with God. Oh, I'm looking forward to meeting with you, Dad. Oh, it's 4 a.m. Let's talk. It's 4.30. Let's talk. Oh, what's going on, Dad? Do you see this? Do you see this? He was eager to meet with his dad. He came like a priest giving an offering. I love to give offerings. Shelly will tell you. What's like, you got that check ready? You got that? Here we go. Here we go. There's just something in me that I love to give it. Why do you guys walk up front and give it? Because that's how they did it in the Bible. Jesus would sit up here at the front of the treasury with his disciples, and they'd watch people give. And they'd give with an expectant, cheerful heart. I'm ready to give, baby. I'm ready to give. When she says go, I'm going, baby. I'm going to elbow everybody out of the way. I'm going to get to the altar first. Are you with me? I believe God's ready for a shift. I believe he's ready for a change. 
that we might become like soldiers in front of him going, reporting for duty, Dad, what's up today? Well, he said, well, what do you got on your schedule? So Bobby's meeting with the Lord, and, and Bobby does this dish network thing, and he drives all over the place. He meets with the Lord. Dad, what's going on today? And Dad says, Bobby, I want you to be careful. There's a little ice on that roof. I want you to use extra precaution. I want you to take an extra ladder. I want you to be able to rope it down. Maybe you can get somebody to help you on this job. In fact, if Bobby's listening, Dad might say, look, by the way, when you get there, there's going to be a young man in the home, and he can help you. But I don't know if I should ask him or not. He'll offer. Okay. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Got to go. See you, Dad. Got to go. Got things to do today. I think God's ready to stir that excitement up in us again. But it's going to take what David took, and he said, I want to meet with you in the morning. In the morning, I'm going to meet with you in the morning. Can you pray and meet with God any other time? Absolutely, yes. But we saw today in Psalms chapter 5 where he met with God in the morning. Let's stand up. God's stirring some things in you. I think you can feel it. You can feel it now. There's all of a sudden there's a sense of excitement. Don't dread meeting with dad. He wants to meet with you. See, that's the thing. No matter what David had done in his life, he wasn't dreading meeting with God. He said, you're my king. You're my God and I'm the king. And the king needs, I need direction, God. I need direction from you every day, morning after morning after morning after morning. Are you ready to meet with God? Are you ready to meet with God? As I was praying over this yesterday, He gave me the number 21. Number 21 is a number of honor. Point in case, when a military person dies, they get a 21-gun salute. It's a number of honor. Gosh. You you taught on the honor class, didn't you? The honor's reward. So we're, there's a 21-day challenge coming. God's wanting to challenge you for 21 days, 21 days, 21 days. Why 21? It's the number of honor. 21 is said to be, you can change a habit in 21 days. And it takes six months to own it, Shane. If I move the trash can at your house for 21 days, you're going to go over here and go, oh, man. It's over here. <laughs> so wives, when you move the furniture around, that's why the husband always wanted to go sit there, recliner over. Oh, it's not over there anymore. Gotta go over here. 21 days to create a habit. A habit. A habit. And then it takes, some said, six months to call it your own. So when that trash can's moved, Shane, you go 21 days, you're over here, and then finally it's there. And then in six months, you don't even think about that over there. You automatically go over here with it. David had to come to a place where he was meeting with God in the morning. So there's going to be a 21-day challenge. You're going to begin to start seeing it pop up on Facebook. You're going to see it with a phone call. You're going to see it as we begin to develop it. But it's going to be coming. So we're going to discuss that next week. Say 21 to honor my Lord. I'm telling you, you, we think the country's in a difficult place. The kingdom of God is not. When we continue to seek him, we will. Don't you know that David sought the Lord and he found him for wisdom? He found him how to rule, even in the situation with Absalom, who was trying to take the kingdom from him. Are you with me? 21 days. I I feel this faith jumping in this place. It's just... It just We just went to another level. You feel it? Are you ready for it? I want you to reread Psalms 5, especially 1 through 3. He says, I eagerly watch. Let's get expecting God. I'm expecting God to move in a great and mighty way. 
in Eden's life. I'm expecting God to move in a great and mighty way in Terry's life. Oh, no, 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 it doesn't stop there. I'm expecting to move in in your life, Joe. Vernon in your life. Sean in your life. Shane in your life. Mario in your life. Larry in your life. I'm expecting God to move in a great and mighty way. And I'm kind of eagerly waiting for it. And then we get a testimony here or a testimony there. And I'm like, woohoo! Hallelujah! That's what we're looking for, God. That's what I'm expecting. Say, I'm expecting. Are you expecting for God? Do you know the person that was at the gate called beautiful? When Peter and John came up, it wasn't about them not having no money. But he looked at them expecting something from them. And he said, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. We need to be like that guy begging for alms, expecting something, expecting something from God. It's time to get our expectors out. It's time to say, God, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to cry out with you. We're going to have a time. We're going to strategize. God, we're gonna, you're going to speak to me, and I'm going to listen. And then when I listen, I'm going to be obedient. And then when I'm obedient, then blessings will flow, and I'm going to eagerly await to see what you're going to do today. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do today, God? What are you going to do today, Dad? Dad, what's on the agenda for today? Dad, what's on the agenda for today? What is it about today, Dad? What's on the agenda for today, Dad? What's on the agenda for today? I think you're up for the challenge. No, I I know you're up for the challenge because God wouldn't challenge us. Let's pray today. Oh, God, let this word that's gone forth this morning just begin to to be fertilized in some. Let this word that's gone forth just to plant that seed in some. Let that word that's gone forth just to be able to to start the growth right there in some. Let that word that's gone forth, I mean, I see some of the things that you're ready to break out of the soil that has already been fertilized. It's already been germinated. It's already now beginning to break out of the shell and is beginning to push its way through the soil. Lord God, let that come forth today. Let it come forth today. Some that even the stalk is there, that now the, the grains of head are beginning beginning to be produced, that the fruit is beginning to come forth. God, we thank you that we're expecting things from you today. We got our expectors out, God. We've met with you this morning with prayer and worship. We've met with you, and, and Lord God, in, in humbling ourselves and, and giving of our, 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 our tithes and offerings and alms, God. We've heard testimony, Lord God. We've heard your word. We're expecting a supernatural increase in our lives in Jesus' name. And I declare over you today uh, the expecting of a supernatural thing to take take place in your life for you to move into the Holy of Holies and meet with Dad. Meet with Dad. Meet with Dad. And supernatural things, supernatural things happening in your life. I thank you, Father. Take this seed, this word, water it, fertilize it, let it grow, let it come forth in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.